Well, a few years ago, a game was released, and the name of that game was called Eagle Flight. And uh, the idea of this game was that you uh, were able to, are able to, pretend to be an eagle. All right? So it used motion, sort of a virtual reality type of thing, to where you would soar, and by the movements of your head, you determine the direction that the eagle would fly. Uh, an interesting part about this game that it was set 50 years after humanity's extinction. Okay, so humanity's been wiped out, and it was you consume control of this eagle and you flew over a post-apocalyptic version of Paris. I've never played this game, but you know read about it and and how how it was set up and uh, the the setting, the scene, all of these things, and and the idea of the game, the purpose, the goal. You travel around the city, you defeat rival animals, and the goal is that you are able to defeat them and set up, build nests in five different landmarks around the city. Uh, but, but people loved it because you got to simulate flying like an eagle, which would be pretty cool, I think. I, I, you know, I'm not a gamer, but I think I would, I would get into that at least for a time, just to see what it was like, right? I mean... And, and, and you think about, you watch a bird fly, you watch an eagle fly, and uh, it's majestic, it's incredible. And, you know, I, I think when we, when we you know, even as a symbol of our country, right, I mean, the freedom, uh, there's, there's nothing quite like the eagle. And so there's, within all of us, a desire, I think, to soar, metaphorically speaking. We look at something like that, and it's a beautiful picture of freedom. Uh, it's a beautiful picture of kind of rising above everything, and within all of us, there is that desire, and, and I believe it is a, a God-given desire, and I believe that we can soar regardless of our circumstances, and we don't need a simulation game to do that. Uh, we are given instructions in God's Word, in Isaiah chapter 40, uh, on what it means to soar like an eagle. And so you can fly without ever leaving the ground, okay? You can soar in your life regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what's going on. And so this morning, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to just take those few simple verses that you've probably heard before that are familiar to all of us, and look at what it means to soar in our Christian walk, in our walk with Christ. Beginning in verse 28 of Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. This passage was originally applied to Jews who were waiting on the Messiah. They were waiting on what we just celebrated, the birth of the Messiah. Uh, we, we look at this and we see anticipation. It was the promise of salvation. To once, when we look and apply it to our lives, we can see um, the fulfillment of this promise Two somewhat obscure characters in the New Testament show us that God's promises do come about. What he says he will do, he will do. And while we look in Isaiah 40, they're waiting in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. 
we fast forward and we see in these two characters, Simeon and Anna, they illustrate for us, first of all, God's reliability, but also as we look at them, we will see how you and I can soar without ever leaving the ground, how we can rise above, how we can continue to move forward. And five words we're going to look at this morning. As we study God's Word, we're just going to look at five words this morning that communicate that truth, how we can soar, how we can fly without ever leaving the ground. The first word today is faith. We have to have faith in order to soar. If we're going to fulfill God's plan for us, if we're going to continue to persevere, to endure Regardless of circumstances, we have to have faith. Verse 31 of Isaiah 40, again, yet those who wait for the Lord. Now, how many of you like waiting? Nobody's raising their hand. That doesn't surprise me. Maybe there's somebody out there that likes to wait, but most of us don't. We want what we want, and we want it now, the way we think we should have it. And that's kind of built into our culture. Everything's faster. Everything's quick. We don't like to wait, but there are times in life where God calls us to wait. And those are difficult times, but there's a purpose in the waiting. There are things that God wants to accomplish in us and through us as we wait. Four words, wait, hope, dependence, and reliance. All wrapped up in this concept of faith, what faith really is. We wait on the Lord. But as we wait, we have hope. We have assurance. As we've already seen, the promise of the Messiah, well, God fulfilled that promise. Every promise he makes, he fulfills. Not the least of which being the promise that we will one day be delivered from this life. For those of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ, we will see him face to face. We will enter heaven. So we wait with hope. And as we wait, one of the beautiful things that happens in our lives is we realize how desperately we depend on God from day to day. In times of trial, in times of uncertainty, in times of difficulty, even when things are relatively good but we're just called to wait, we know there's nothing we can do about our situation other than wait. And so we develop a greater dependence on God and we learn to rely on Him, reliance. We learn to rely on God. Because when things are kind of rolling along, we gain confidence in ourselves. And many times we fall prey to this belief that we can handle things on our own and we don't need God. But the truth is we desperately need Him and we have to learn to depend and rely on Him each day. To wait for the Lord means confident, eager suspense. Confident, eager suspense. Why eager suspense? Why confidence? Because we know The waiting will one day end. We know that God will come through on what he's promised to do, that he has a plan, and he will work that plan out. To live with the tension that it's it's almost waiting feels like living in limbo because we're living in the tension of promises that have been revealed but not fully revealed, right? That's where we are right now. We are in the midst of 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 waiting for the Lord's return. And so the promise has been revealed. I will come again and receive you to be with me. Jesus has promised that he'll come back and take us home, but it hasn't been fully revealed because he hasn't returned yet. And so we're waiting in suspense, but it is not suspense. Wonder if it will, wonder if it won't happen. It's confident suspense, anticipating 
the day that Christ will return. And this is where Simeon and Anna lived in waiting on the Messiah. They were uh, some of a very few remnant of people waiting for faithfully for the Messiah. They were faithful and continued to practice their faithfulness. Look at Simeon first in Luke chapter 2. You can turn over there if you'd like. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 27. We see Simeon first. There was a man in Jerusalem, verse 25, whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before He saw the Lord's Messiah, I promise to him personally that he would see the Messiah before he he left this earth. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. So a man led by the Spirit, taught by the Word, and obedient to the will of God, had received a promise from God, continued in obedience, and as a result of this, he was given the privilege of seeing the Messiah. And then we see Anna in Luke 2, verses 36 through 38. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phineul of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years and having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years or of 84 years. We've talked about that before. She did not leave the temple complex serving God and day, uh, night and day with fasting and prayers. So she continued day after day after day serving God, fasting and praying. At that very moment, verse 38, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Faithfulness day after day after day. And, you know, we, we know that in, in this day and time, widows were often neglected. They had no rights, no property, and so... And even today, we see that happen in our culture, unfortunately, in some circumstances. But she was devoted, Anna was, to serving God, and she continued to worship God each day through fasting, through prayers, through her faithfulness. Um, Most believe she was probably over 100 years old, or somewhere along in those lines, or She was 84 years old. I mean, there's some differing interpretation there, but she was advanced in years, okay? She had been doing this a while. Um, She had been serving God, and, and, you know, it's possible that she had been uh, a widow for 84 years. You know, she lost her husband at a young age, and she just lived at the temple, continuing day after day. Uh, She never left. Each day, faithfully worshiping, faithfully waiting and praying for the Messiah to come. Simeon and Anna teach us something very important. They teach us that faith means we trust God, period. That we trust him, even if it doesn't make sense, even if the waiting goes on and on and on and on for however many years. If God's promised it, we trust him, and we continue to trust him. Simeon and Anna knew that their only hope in life and eternity was the mercy and the grace of God, was in God's promise being fulfilled. Now, I want you to, to, to think about what it means to wait and to fully depend, to fully trust, to fully rely on God. If, if I were to take, or take you to a, 
an expanse, a ravine, 100 feet wide, okay, and tell you that there's only one way to cross this ravine, and that is by stretching a rope across this ravine and setting up some sort of, you know, pulley system and and getting across, but assured you, now this isn't, we probably wouldn't use this rope, but this is a pretty strong rope, okay, just take this and imagine this is thicker, this is all I had in my garage, so y'all just help me out and use your imagination, but let's say I've got a really, really strong, thick rope, and it's been tested, and it can hold, you know, um, several hundred pounds with ease, and we set up this system, and, 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 and you're going to be the person to go across first. Now, some of you say, forget it, I'm not doing it, all right? Ye of little faith. <laughs> some of you, brave souls, would say, hey, yeah, this rope, it's sturdy, it's been tested, I'm going to do it, all right? But just before you get on there, I tell you, there's one catch. We've only got 50 feet of rope to go across the 100-foot ravine. But there's good news because I, I just happen to have 50 feet of thread. So what we'll do is we'll tie the thread to the rope, and we'll stretch it across the rest of the way. Now, what's your response going to be? Thank you, but, yeah, no way, Jose. Thank you, but no thank you, right? Not going to happen, Okay. I say, okay, well, I, we, we found a little bit more rope, and I, I can manage to stretch 90 feet of rope and 10 feet of thread. What's your answer? Okay, how about 99 feet of rope and one foot of thread? What, yeah, no way. Still, straight from the mouths of babes. And why is that? 50 feet or 90 feet, you're going to be just as dead when you hit the rocks below, right? I mean, it's not going to matter because this thread is not going to hold up. And, and that's the way, think about that in a spiritual sense, all right? How, how often do we try to live our lives saying, okay, God, I'm going to depend on you with this, this, with 90% of my life, but this over here I, I want to keep to myself. I want to maintain control of this, this aspect of my life because I think I can handle it. I don't want to wait when it comes to this. or I, you know, I think I can control this better than you can. But the truth is, it's all or nothing. It's that way with salvation. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, if we have put one stitch into the garment of our salvation, we shall ruin the whole thing. That's true of salvation, and that's true of life. Anything short of complete and total dependence on and reliance on God will fall short. As we live the Christian life from day to day, we have to depend on God completely. We have to trust Him completely. It's either all or nothing. Simeon and Anna teach us what faith means. They also teach us that we need to trust in God's timing. And that's hard too. You know, because we think we know when things should happen and how things should happen, but God's timing is perfect. They had waited their whole lives. And they probably at times wondered if that was ever going to happen. Simeon had the promise that he would see the Messiah. And I'm sure there were times where he, he wondered as he got older and older and older, hey, is this ever really, God, is this really, did you mean me? Or were you promising to some, I mean, what, did I confuse it? What, what's the deal here? But they show us that, that God, his timing is perfect. And it happens whatever he promises at the right time. Um, they both had faith. And God blessed them by fulfilling his promise. They trusted in God and his timing. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, 
the proof of what is not seen. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants, verse 6, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It's the faith, the belief in what's hopeful, what's not yet seen, but it's with confidence. And if we really want to have a relationship with God, we have to trust in him, trust in his timing, and believe that one day he will do what he says he's going to do. Faith contains three elements. It's the promise in which we rest, the promises of God, the promise of salvation, the promise of provision, so on and so forth. It's the perseverance in which we walk day by day by day, just like Simeon and Anna, we continue in perseverance. And then the patience in which we wait. We, we have to have patience. We have to wait on the Lord. But we do it with confidence. We do it with assurance. Our second key word this morning is foundation. We have to have faith, but faith has to be built on the right foundation. Verse 31 of Isaiah 40, those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. Gaining new strength when you're worn out, when you're tired. But here's the key to gaining new strength. Our focus has to shift from self to God. We have to focus on the Lord because if we focus on our surroundings, we're going we're gonna to stumble and fall. We're not going to make it. But we focus on God, and the foundation for this is Christ, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, salvation through him alone. 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay any other foundation than what has already been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, when we try to lay our foundation with our own works, it's not going to turn out too well. It may work for a while. It may give you temporary confidence, but eventually that's going to run out. Our own foundation, whatever we can create, is insufficient. We tire out. Human beings, even those in their prime, youths, young men, young women, whatever the case may be, children. You know, my kids, full of energy. But even by the time, you know, 7, 8 o'clock yesterday rolled around, I think they woke up at 4 o'clock yesterday morning, I don't know. But about, about 7 or 8 o'clock, everybody was sitting on the couch near about passed out. Why? Because their energy finally did run out. It was amazing, but it did. Even youths grow weary. Human beings, even at their prime, get tired, don't we? Eventually, our energy will be exhausted. And will inevitably fail. I mean, whatever our strength, whatever resources we have, but if we wait on the Lord, we'll be renewed, the scripture says. We'll gain new strength. The verb that's used here has the idea of a change or an exchange. So I'm exchanging my strength, my abilities for God's strength, his abilities, his ability to persevere when I'm tired. I'm exchanging my weariness for his strength, which is a pretty good deal because I'm going to wear out. I'm going to get tired. We'll also be refreshed. We'll be refreshed with this new infusion of strength greater than anything we could have on our own. We're refreshed. Psalm 28, verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices. And I praise him with my song. And then Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord 
is your strength. It is the presence of Christ. The foundation has been laid. The Holy Spirit's presence in my life. And when I look to Him, when I give up on my own abilities, in those moments when I'm exhausted spiritually, even physically, when I look to God, when I look to Christ, and I trust Him completely, and I do truly have faith, I gain new strength, and I'm refreshed by that strength, and I'm filled with joy, regardless of circumstances. In addition, if we wait on the Lord, we'll be reinforced from faith to faith. Look at Romans 1.17, for in it God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Our faith, as we trust God from day to day, as we depend on Him from day to day, as we make the conscious decision each morning to follow Him, And to trust in Him, something pretty incredible happens. The more we trust Him, the easier it is to trust Him. Why is that? Because our faith grows. He proves faithful. And each time He fulfills a promise in our life, each time He proves faithful, each time He speaks to us through His Word and confirms His existence, confirms His involvement in our lives, our faith grows. From faith to faith, our faith increases. And we learn to live by faith. The result then is that we grow closer to God as we look to Him, as we talk to Him, as we cry out to Him, as He speaks to us through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, through His Word, we grow closer. Our relationship becomes more intimate with God. Exodus 19.4, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. And that's what God does. When we trust Him, He... He is faithful, and he draws us to himself. He did it for the Israelites, and he will do it again. He'll do it for his people who trust him, who wait on him, who look to him in times of uncertainty, but always if we continue to look. Now, there are two questions that when I'm thinking about this, when I'm studying this, two questions I have to ask myself, and the first is this. I think we all, be a good self-evaluation as we're ending a year, beginning a new year. Two questions. First, do I believe God can take a tired, worn-out sinner like me and turn me into a hero for his glory? Not for personal selfish reasons, but I, you know, how many of you are tired today of just everything? I mean, let's be honest. Some of you are, are, are peppy and you, you, you seem to never get upset at anything. Sometimes you people frustrate me, and I'm kidding. But, you know, I mean, some people just always seem to be in a good mood. I'll be honest, the past two weeks have been exhausting, all right? You know, and, and, and those of you who are sick, I know, are exhausted. Family members who are struggling with either COVID or something else, you know. I mean, life right now is challenging. And, you know, there are days where I'm sure all of us, we wake up and we think, you know what? I'd just soon stay in bed today. I don't have the energy to, to, to deal with another day with whatever's coming down the pike, right? I, I just don't have the energy to do it. And we all fail every day, right? I mean, no matter how long we're here, we will grow. We will become more like Christ. But inevitably, we're going to blow it. We're going we're gonna to sin. We're going to do something that's, that seems like a setback in our walk with Christ. And, and that's exhausting at times. But I believe that Almighty God creator and sustainer of the universe who's in the business of changing lives can take anyone from anywhere no matter their past 
no matter their background, no matter their strengths and weaknesses, he can take anybody and turn them into an incredible influence who has incredible impact for his kingdom and for his glory. Because guess what? God created you with intent and with purpose. He knows your strengths and weaknesses. He gave you your personality. He gave you your abilities, and he created you. In addition to that, gives you spiritual gifts to be used for his kingdom work. And, and guess what? Nobody else can do your job. Only you can do what God's called you to do because he created you unique. And so it doesn't matter what you've done. If you will turn to him, if you will depend on him each day, he can turn you into a hero for his glory. He can turn any Saul into any Paul. That's what God does. And so I, I have to ask myself, do I really believe that? Because I've got to believe that in order to act on it. You know, I can say it all day long, but I have to live in faith in order to show that I believe that. Second question, because this is key to doing what I just said. Have I deliberately shifted the loyalty of my heart from the false glory of this world to the coming glory of the Lord? Have I deliberately shifted the loyalty, the commitment, the dedication of my heart, the dependence of my heart from the false glory of this world to the coming glory of the Lord? Am I living in anticipation of the promises of God? God has promised that Christ will bring us salvation with overwhelming glory. Salvation isn't just a past experience that I had when I was seven years old. Yes, I was saved and set free. I was justified before God. But salvation is a process that continues through sanctification as I'm, I'm further transformed into the image of Christ. And salvation will not be complete until the day either Christ brings me home or he steps out from the clouds and takes us all to be home, to, to be with him at home in glory. So I live with that promise in anticipation of the future glory. Is that where I've, I've stacked my confidence? Is that where I'm drawing joy on the confident hope, the assurance that one day Christ will fulfill what he's promised? I cannot have faith in God while keeping my heart on this world. Can't do it. If I'm drawing dependence, happiness, security just from this world, and there are things in this world that, that make us happy, and that's okay. They're gifts from God. Relationships, even possessions can make us happy temporarily. Um, but if that's all I'm drawing my hope from, my happiness, my joy, it's not going to be enough. I have to shift my heart's focus from the things of the world to the things of God, to God himself. My focus has to shift to him completely. Jesus has to be my foundation. And if he is, that's when I'll experience the glory of flight. You know, our, our goal is to soar, right? And, and there's, there's something majestic about flight itself. Something amazing about it. Verse 31 of Isaiah 40, that will mount up with wings like eagles. Mount up with wings like eagles. What a beautiful picture if you, if you just imagine that in your mind. Flight itself provides a pretty good perspective here, a pretty good picture for us. It, it gives us perspective for one thing. You know, you think about flying, you're above it all, right? The view from 10,000 feet, you can see it all. And things look different from above than they do on the ground, don't they? 
And the perspective is completely different. When I'm wrapped up in life, all I see is what's right in front of me. The next decision, the next crisis, the next good thing, bad thing, whatever. That's all I see. But God sees from an eternal perspective. He sees the big picture while we only see what's in front of us. And so part of what this means is that, you know, mounting up with wings like eagles is that, that as I trust God, as I depend on him, I learn to view things from his perspective. He gives me insight. He gives me perspective. It also has the idea of preservation. You know, flying for birds is in some ways a defense mechanism, isn't it? I mean, when there's danger on the ground, they can fly away. And there are times in life where we want to fly away, aren't there? Let's just get above it all. Let's get away from it all. And, and in a spiritual sense, that's what God provides. We can be in the thick of the most devastating, the most difficult experience of our life. But when I, when I crawl up into the lap of my Savior, when I look to Him and when I depend on Him, when I bury myself in the truth of His Word, I do rise above it all. And I look at things from His perspective. And there's rescue in that. And there's rest in that. And so it's preservation. That's how we survive from day to day, is by his strength and his power. We soar above the winds of circumstances. We're not tossed about like the sea or the shifting sands. But then there's power displayed here. You know, whether it's an eagle or even the smallest bird, when you watch flight or if you've flown on a plane, you know there's, there's a lot of power involved in that. There's it's amazing to watch that, and to, you know. And, and I'm not, I'm not the most knowledgeable person in science or aerospace engineering or anything like that. But I know that that flying is a miracle. I mean, the fact that it, it works the way that it does, and of course, it's a miracle because God created the bird that flies, and it's all a part of His glorious design. And so, when we think about that, we should think about power and just you know as as flying is produced as a result of power the wind the aerodynamics for planes you know the engine that propels whatever the case may be we need power from day to day in our lives and the power that we have is the holy spirit living in in and through us i mean he gives us power from day to day and we can't make it through life without the power of, of Christ, the power of his, his presence, His Spirit in our lives. But then we also find peace. You know, I'm not a pilot. I've known pilots, pilots in this church, pilots in the past. Um, uh, some who were in the military, some who learned to fly because they had a passion for it and a desire. And, and, and to hear some of them talk, especially those, well, any that, that had a desire to do it, one of the things that they talk about is just, you know, the beauty and the peace that they experience when they're flying because of, of just the majesty. The, there's no experience like it, they say, and I believe that. There's peace because, again, you're above it all, and, you know, there's, there's, there's no other way you can get an experience like that. And we find peace as we look to God from day to day. You know, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it, it means peace. It's a greeting that they use, but it means more than peace. There's so much wrapped up into the meaning of that word. 
It means peace. It means harmony. It means wholeness, completeness. It means prosperity, not just materially, although it's okay to wish that on someone or to wish that for yourself. It means welfare and tranquility, completeness, wholeness. And so when we we talk about peace, we're talking about all of that. You know, spiritual prosperity, spiritual wholeness, completeness. We are complete in Christ in our relationship. We find fulfillment in Him. And so we find peace, true peace, as we trust Him from day to day. Look again at Simeon, Luke chapter 2, verse 29 and 30. The promise was fulfilled. He sees the Messiah. He says, now, Master, you can dismiss your slave in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. So Simeon praises God for keeping his promise, the promise of sending the Messiah, and for allowing him to see it. Now he's fulfilled. He's at peace. He's ready to die. He can die fulfilled, in peace. He's seen the Messiah. True peace comes only when we, like Simeon, realize that salvation is Jesus Christ plus nothing else. He is the only way. And when we realize that, we find peace, true peace, rest for our souls. And when we rest our souls in him alone, we find peace from day to day. So there is peace that we find in him. The next key word is fortification. Key word number four. Fortification, verse 31, the last part of that verse, or the next part of that verse, they will run and not get tired. Again, I've already asked, several of us feel kind of tired this morning, right? We've been through a lot past couple of years. Seems like this thing will never end. But one day it will. It doesn't change the heartache, the, the struggles, um, the pain, you know, the, the difficulties along the way. But this week, you know, as we've been, the past two weeks, as we've been reminded, I mean, our church has been hit harder the past two weeks than throughout the whole thing. The whole pandemic is challenging. And, and frustrating, you know. Concern about those who are sick and just concern over, you know, w- when will this thing truly end, right? When, when will we be through this? And, and I did something that probably wasn't wise in the moment, but it turned out to be profitable. I went back and, and looked at some testimonies, written testimonies, of those who lived through the Spanish flu 100 years ago. Just, I wanted to... to Here's some survival stories, I guess. I wanted to hear, to read about what they were thinking and what they dealt with in the midst of that. You know, times were certainly different. They didn't have access to all the information that we have, uh, which is good and bad. Um, but I just wanted to see, you know, how, how were they dealing with it? And I just picked two that I want to read for you this morning. Uh, the first one is, is from Cleela B. Gregory. And the title of the story is, I Survived, Her Testimony. She's from Kentucky, and this all happened in Kentucky. In 1918, she says, I lived at home with my parents, Eli, Nora, Brantley, and my five siblings in Blackford, Kentucky. All six of us children at home had the 1918 pandemic flu. Can you imagine? As did our mother, Nora, age 40. My father, she says, Eli, did not become ill. Dad kept us warm and fed, and he also helped others in our community who had the illness. He made sure he had, now he's got six kids and his wife at home sick, but he still, he goes beyond that. 
his neighbors. He made sure that his, our neighbors, she said, had drinking water. He would milk their cows. He would feed their livestock. And he made sure they had coal and wood for heat. One day, one of the doctors from Blackford came by and stopped and asked, Eli, how's your family doing? Dad said, all are doing well. The doctor replied, keep doing what you're doing for where I'm going there are about to lose a girl. All the schools were closed, she said. Church services were canceled, and crowds were not supposed to gather together. Sound familiar? She concludes her story with this simple phrase, we all survived. Not everybody did, but her family did. The next story is about John Jack May, and is told by her, his daughter, Catherine May, Catherine May Ryan. She was from Pennsylvania. This happened in Pennsylvania. She said, my father, John Mac, uh, Jack May, was almost two years old when the great pandemic arrived in Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania in 1918. He and his mother, Dorothea Ann Freemay, both became sick, and they were quarantined for over two months. Again, kind of familiar, right? A little eerily familiar. Quarantined for two months. Jersey Shore, located in the middle of the state and on a major transportation route for the Pennsylvania Railroad and uh, the Susquehanna River, brought many travelers through Jersey Shore from the east. You can imagine it was just a perfect environment to spread um, the, the, the flu. No one else in the family became sick. Grandfather was the station master at the railroad depot in town, and the two older brothers were enrolled in schools that were probably closed due to the dangerous and easily passed virus. Dad and his mother survived. When they were sick, the rest of the family prepared their meals, washed and sterilized their clothes, and passed these items to them through the door while wearing masks to prevent contamination. My father, she said, lived to be 96 years old and his mother 82 years old. Again, we survived. Now, these two stories have something in common. They survived. That, we know that's not always the case, and we grieve with those who have lost. We've all known probably someone who hasn't survived this, and that is horrible, and, and the reality of what we face. But there's something else that's common about these stories. They're all from the past, which means it ended eventually. Now, if you would have asked them in 1918, the first wave, the second wave, in 1919, when it was still going on, do you think this is ever going to end? They probably would have said, no, this is Armageddon. It's all over with. And we felt that way, right? But the, the pandemic ended then, and one day it will end for us. One day it will be over with. And guess what? There'll be something else around the corner. Here's your happy thought of the new year. There's going to be something else around the corner that is frustrating, is challenging, that you will see no way out of, and you don't understand, and you're going to have to depend on God again. But the experiences that we are having now, God will use, if we will look to him, if we will depend on him, God will use to grow us and stretch us and increase our dependence and our ability to depend on him for whatever comes in the future. But we do have a future. It may not seem like we have a future, but we do have a future in Christ that we can look forward to with joy and in anticipation of. If we trust God and if we live by faith from day to day, we will prevail and go from strength to strength. But how do we make it in the present? Well, we depend on God daily to give us energy, 
because we will grow tired, our energy will run out, enablement because our abilities are limited at best, especially in light of his abilities, so energy, enablement, and endurance. We cannot endure on our own, but we can in his strength and his power, his presence in our lives. We can endure, which leads us to our last key word, and that is faithfulness. We need faithfulness. Simeon and Anna were faithful day after day after day, depending on the promise of God. And while I'm sure they had their moments of doubt, they did not waver. Scripture gives us their account to show that consistently over their lives, they remained faithful. They did not waver in their faith. Ultimately, they continued to persevere. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, the next part of the verse, they will walk and not become weary. Now, some of you are runners. I don't understand you, but some of you are runners, and you enjoy it. And I, I probably would do better to exercise more. We are walkers, right, Gracie? We walk, probably not as much as we should. But listen, if you run, no matter how in shape you are, eventually you're going to get tired, right? Talk to some of you, some of the marathons, some of the distances you run, it's incredible. But listen, whether you're walking, whether you're running, which you will get tired from, you can walk and eventually get tired too, right? And you keep on walking and walking and walking. The idea here is, is imagine in this verse, imagine running and never getting tired. Those of you who are runners, imagine never getting tired, not having to train. You know, you just, you just start running and you never, never stop. You don't get tired. Imagine walking as long as you want and never getting tired. That's the idea here. Yes, there's training involved. We, we train by exercising faith and dependence each day. But the idea is that your strength never runs out. That's the picture that, 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 that God is trying to paint for us in these verses. Running doesn't bring tiredness. Neither does walking on and on and on. We're just steady. We're steadfast. Because God is steady. Everything else is all over the place, but God is steady. Steadfast. The meaning of that word, resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. We remain steady, unwavering by his strength. We trust in him and strong. Those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will run and not become weary. Why do we not become weary? Because... We have his strength to hold us up, to keep us going. But here's the thing we have to submit daily. We have to wait. We have to trust. In order to gain that strength, we have to trust daily. We have to shift our focus from ourselves, from the circumstances, and focus on him each day. We have to do it completely, wholeheartedly. If we trust in the Lord we will gain strength. And if we want peace and strength, it has to be his peace and his strength. You know, we got all kinds of stuff yesterday and, and the kids, you know, our kids have always had loveys. Eventually they grow out of them, but they've always had loveys. That's what we call them. They're stuffed animals, whatever that they sleep with. Um, and they, you know, they, they draw security from the, all kids do, right? They have something and they usually have one thing that's a favorite. Um, but kids have things that bring security, stuffed animals or whatever the case may be. And, and I brought two. They let me borrow them. They just got them yesterday. Eli and Annie got some new lovies. And, and for those of you that know Annie, this, you know, this is just 
her personality right here. Perfect. Uh, she got a Bob Ross stuffed animal yesterday. Yes. That's what I said. There are no mistakes, just happy accidents. Quote from Bob Ross. There are mistakes. But <laughs> that's okay because the blood of Jesus covers our mistakes, right? But this is her newest one, and I had to go in there. She wasn't quite awake yet. The rest of our family is, is at home today. But as I was leaving to come here, um, I had to go in, and, and, and we made an agreement last night. I could come get Bob Ross and so that I could use him. But this is her new stuffed animal. Well, Eli, he is into Minecraft. Now, Gracie, remind me what this is? Creeper. Any Minecraft players here? We got some Minecraft Evidently, Creeper will explode, hopefully not right now, but has the ability to explode. But this was his new lovey yesterday, and so he slept with Creeper last night. Good thing Creeper didn't explode in the middle of the night, but he he slept with Creeper last night, and I went in and got Creeper before I left. And so those are stuffed animals. You know, when I was a kid, I had a blanket, not this one, but I did have a blanket. Sometimes we use security blankets, right, Um, as kids. And, you know, they provide comfort. They, they make us feel safe. But, hey, even as adults, we have these things, don't we? We look to things, you know, for comfort and security, material possessions, things that aren't even bad sometimes. You know, we get a, 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 a new house or a new car or we go buy ourselves something nice to make us feel we were down, so we go buy something. You know, I do that from time. We, you know, so nothing wrong with that as long as it's in its proper place and perspective. But in extreme examples, you know, adults, we grow up and, and we find the difficulties of life, we find the pain of life difficult to bear, and some adults look to other things, like maybe a bottle, right? Either a bottle of pills or alcohol, some form of drugs, and we go to whatever we can get our hands on. If we have no other hope, we'll try whatever we can try to make the pain go away, to forget about it for a little while. But here's the thing about all of these. There's a reason I didn't bring my security blanket. For one thing, I'm 45 years old, but the other thing is that blanket's been long gone. I'm sure my mom probably has a patch of it stored away somewhere. I don't know. But that thing wore out. I mean, by the time I grew out of it, it was so tattered and torn, there wasn't much left of it, you know. She had probably sewed it several times to keep it together, these things wear out, you know, stuffed animals. Eventually, you know, your kid sleeps with them and, and you got to wash it every now and then because of whatever, whatever gross, whatever they've put on them or, you know, bodily fluids or whatever, you know. I mean, eventually they come apart, they get old, they wear out. And even if they make it, eventually your kids grow out of them, don't they? And so it's only temporary. It's great. Bob Ross, love Bob Ross, but he's you know, temporary. Eventually, Bob Ross will be in, in, in either Mandy's keepsake place or will be long gone. And Creeper, too. He'll explode and he'll be done. That'll be it. And the extreme, you know, eventually, if you go to something like this, what's eventually going to happen? Eventually, it's going to run out, right? Eventually, you, if you go to drugs, if you go to alcohol, eventually, you're, the bottle's going to be empty. And you're going to find yourself in a big mess, Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, all of these things, even the good things. Listen, I love that my kids have these loveys. You know, I, I have fond memories of things like that. 
but eventually they all will go away. It's only a temporary peace. It's only a temporary comfort. But God offers something more. If you want real security, real peace, if you want to alleviate your fears, you're not going to find it in a bottle. You're ultimately not going to find it in something warm and fuzzy. Only God can offer true peace, comfort, and security that lasts. And his never runs out, by the way. It's for all of eternity. John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. And our hearts get troubled from time to time. He says, don't be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. So let me ask you, what are you holding on to this morning? What are you looking to for comfort? Will the end of the pandemic do it for you? While your bills being paid, take care of everything. That relationship that's on the rocks, every, all those problems going away, will that, will that solve it for you? New possession, new car, new house, or maybe just the one you have working properly. Maybe that'll do it for you. It might last for a little while, but eventually that's going to run out because something else is going to come right around the corner. And you're going to be faced with another problem. You're going to be faced with another trial. But those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to trust? We're going to have a time of commitment this morning. As we close out a year, as we face a new year with all of its Joys with all of its triumphs and all of its challenges and trials. Sadness, difficulties, the ups, the downs, everything in between. Let's just go before the Lord. And let me ask you a question. Let's all just, just bow your heads and close your eyes. What, what or who are you putting your faith and trust in this morning? We're not going to have a traditional invitation today. We're just going to have a time of prayer. And maybe this morning you realize that the places you've been looking for security, for assurance, for comfort, it's just not working. Because every time that runs out, you've got to look for something new. Well, let me encourage you this morning. You can find true peace and comfort if you will put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. If you will look to him this morning, if you will believe in your heart, that he died for your sins, that God raised him from the dead. If you will invite him into your life right now, ask him to enter your life and to forgive you of your sins because we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory, every one of us. If you will invite him into your life, he will enter and he'll change everything. Life won't suddenly become problem-free. You'll still have challenges. You'll still have heartache. You'll still have ups and downs. But you will have security. You will have peace. You will have hope, assurance that you cannot find anywhere else in life. You will have purpose. And you will have the gift of eternal life that's only available through Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you to turn to him right now. Wherever you are. Whatever you're going through. God is faithful. His promises are true. For the rest of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We still run to those things from time to time. 
to find happiness, satisfaction, security. Where are you looking this morning? Regardless of what's going on in your, on your life, rise above the chaos by setting your heart, your mind, your trust, your faith on Jesus Christ. Allow him to fill you with strength. Peace that passes all human reasoning and ability to explain, human comprehension. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will give you strength from day to day. Father, thank you for your peace. As the angels proclaimed peace on earth, goodwill toward men, it didn't alleviate all the problems of the world, but it gave us, you gave us peace in our hearts, in our lives. Your faithfulness is shown throughout Scripture. Your promise is fulfilled time and time again, and you've promised to give us the strength to endure. You've promised to empower us from day to day. So, Lord, we trust you. Each morning, may we wake up and submit to you and commit each day to you and live out our faith every day. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who has never put their faith and trust in you, that now they would during this time of prayer. For those of us who know you, Lord, I pray that we would live in faith each day. Whether times are good or bad, that we would depend on you 100%, completely, and trust in you daily. God, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We praise you because you are worthy of praise. We praise you in the good times, the bad times, and everything in between. You deserve praise. We thank you for all the blessings that you've given us and the fact that we're here today, that we're able to get up another day and breathe in and out and live our lives for you. It's a privilege to be a part of your kingdom work, and I pray that we would live each day to the fullest by your power and strength as you give us strength from day to day. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your love. For it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.